Katie and Tiffany here. Before we get started on this particular episode, we do want to tell you that you should definitely stick around till the end. We're going to make a big announcement at the end of the show. We're sharing the details of our Roman adventure for 2024, and we hope that you will join us. Listen to the end of the show to hear all the details about that. So on that note, let's start the show. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And we are on the streets of Rome, obviously, clearly. <laughs> and we have, because we've been so busy with the Rome tour with our listeners, I... We have not done much on the streets of Rome this time. No, not 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 anything, I think. We haven't done much in the way of recording because, you know, we just haven't had time. But here we are on the final morning, and we decided that we are going to record a little bit as we walk along. And uh, do you want to say where we're walking right now? And then um, I'll just, I'm going to kind of, you know, poke some of our guests and see if anyone wants to share anything along the way. Well, at this moment, we are walking down Via Garibaldi in Trastevere. Basically, all the, we're going to walk all the way down to the river, cross the Ponte Sisto bridge, and uh, and explore some of the. What is that? What is that? These are the Roman. I call them parrots. They're technically monk parakeets, but they're big enough to be parrots, and they're bright green with long tail feathers, and they have invaded the city, <laughs> and they're beautiful, and I love them. Um, but uh, we're going to cross the Ponte Sisto into the uh, sort of the quote-unquote main side of the city. And we're going to explore some of the true secrets of the city. True secrets, the things that uh, the tourists never find. Well, or if they do find it, they don't know what it is. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> we are, I'm going to probably go to one or two places that are not secret, but that are, are, are so conveniently along the way that we can't skip them. So I'm also going to be recording some sounds along the way, as you heard a few times there. One of the sounds I'm not sure I'm going to be able to record, but I just want to mention, because I think it's unusual for this particular visit, is I'm hearing crickets in Rome now. There have always been crickets in Rome. Ah, one of our friends, uh, Linda at the Beehive, was saying that she didn't hear crickets usually, and I've been hearing them every morning. I hear them all the time in my neighborhood, but... You know, there's a lot of, it's more green around my neighborhood, so maybe that's why, but I definitely hear them. All right, I was just wondering if that was a new sound, because I do not recall. Uh, just, as far as bug sounds, I'm so glad that the cicadas have stopped. <laughs> I absolutely cannot stand the sound of cicadas. Really? Oh. It, it's a great sound for, like, opening a scene yeah, <laughs> in a movie it, or on a to podcast. Me it's like, it, it, is, it is emblematic of, like, the middle of a hot, exhausting summer day when it's just like the time will not pass. That's how it feels to me. All right, that's fair. All right, uh, I guess I'll pause until we get to the river and since we're now walking past a coffee shop and everyone's giving me weird looks, but we're used to that. So yeah, here we go, day five. So passing the Ponte Sisto Bridge right now. What have you thought of the, uh, I'm here with Jackie, she's uh, one of the wonderful people on this tour. What have you thought of the soundscape of Rome? It's actually amazing. Um, not only in our courtyard at our hotel do they play classical music, well, a range of music, and then walking the streets, 
just like that, having the guitarist. But the other night we were walking through some alleyways and we were listening to a choir rehearsing and we just had to stop and record it. And uh, yeah, just the, all the kids like listening to like music. Last night when we were walking, we, there was a complete rave going on up the hill. And, and I was like, John, we gotta, we gotta go up and dance. And he's like, I don't know, I don't got this. <laughs> Oh, it was super fun, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's very layered. It's very textured, you know, and very layered. Yeah. Like you said, very unexpected. Like coming across that choir. Like the other morning, I woke up really, really early, and I could hear. I was walking past a very nondescript building, but it happened to have the windows open, and I could hear people doing vespers, morning prayer from up above, and it was five in the morning. Oh, uh, but it was a whole bunch of people talking together. And, you know, I'm just like, where else in the world do you hear something like that as you're <laughs> heading off to try to find a coffee? Well, you know the Seattle scene and how much music means to people. And for me, like, I listen to KEXP. Our local music station. Yes. And, you know, just the, the layers of variety. And I haven't listened to any radio stations or anything while I've been here, which is very odd for me because I'm always listening to music. There you go. I guess the streets are providing enough music for you. <laughs> so how do you feel about uh, the fact that you're leaving tomorrow? I am satiated but excited to explore more in the future and you know I love this concept of being in one city for a full week. That immersion style um, I think has changed my perspective of how I would travel to Europe. Very cool. Like, so you feel like before you would have puddle jumped like little France, little Spain, little this, little yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. And now, like, I feel like this, this is a much healthier um, way to go about it just because you can plan little things here and there, but it's, it's really having the downtime to explore in between that really gives you the, the big picture, little picture, and just how much of a community it is. Mm-hmm. What about Rome itself? Do you think you'll come back? Yeah, actually, I do. And well, actually, my my daughter saw the tiramisu uh, <laughs> picture on my on my Instagram, and she was like, uh, "Yeah, mom, we're going to Rome." <laughs> Very, nice. Very nice. Well, thank you for talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Edit away, girl. <laughs> Hang on a second. I'm going to tape this. Cause, so this is very exciting news. So this church is Santa Maria dell'Orazione e Morte, St. Mary of Oration and Death. And because of this church's location, and by the way, this is a, a Renaissance church built uh, around the same time that this street was being built in the first few years of the 1500s, uh, although the facade has been updated since then. This church, because of its location by the Tiber, there role, one of their roles in society, and the, the, I'm not sure if it were monks or nuns who, who worked here, but they would gather up the bodies of people who had gone, you know, had died anonymously and whose bodies were unclaimed. The majority of them came out of the Tiber, could have been victims of murder, suicide, what have you, but also unclaimed bodies, uh, anonymous bodies from other places. So they would give people a Christian burial who did not have anyone else to provide that for them. And that is why you can see these skeletons on the, uh, the front of the door frame. And also you, you have, we have these, these little plaques over here with like a skeleton sitting there waving his, uh, 
his hourglass at a dead body. And on the other side, you've got another skeleton who's holding something that says, basically it's Latin for me today, you tomorrow. This place has a crypt, which is similar to the crypt of the Capuchin monks. It's not as vast. It's not as large. There's not nearly as many um, dioramas. Yeah, there's not nearly as many bones, but there are some. There are definitely some. And I visited this place in 2000, maybe five, uh, before it was restored. And they've literally been, like they closed it the next year. And it's literally been under restoration for almost 20 years. And I've never seen it open since then. And so this beautiful nun has said that we can go in. I've been trying to get into this church for over 10 years. But yes, this is very exciting. Katie has been trying to see this place for, and I, the reason I stopped was A, because I saw somebody open the door, and B, because I saw this. If there's a sign, they clearly want people to come and see it. I think the nun, she's like, just, just, yeah, just come in. All right, well, here we go. Well, this was, we had talked about Secret Room. We're like, can we get into this church? And we were like, no. So now we're actually going to get into it. Are you guys excited to go into this crypt? Sure. <laughs> Why not? Yes, we are. <laughs> I am. I mean, I mean, I'm excited to go to the Skull Church. Why not? Why not? It's my mission, not your mission. I understand that. I like where you're at. I'm going to go ahead and pause while we get in here. Oh, wow. So we just went into the crypt that we I've been trying to get into for 10 years. Surprisingly so. Uh, Lindy, you're the closest one to me. How did you feel about seeing all chandeliers made out of bones? How do you feel about that treatment of the human, uh, the human experience? Any opinions? I think it's fascinating. <laughs> I, I don't know that I have any deep opinions about it. I think these are probably people who have been dead a very long time. That's true. So. I'm going to ask you how you felt about our unexpected visit to the uh, crypt there. That, that was something we tried to put on the Secret Rome tour and failed, and yet we didn't fail. I know, and isn't that crazy how sometimes things work out in a way that you wouldn't expect? I have been calling, ever since I saw some workmen sort of finishing up the restoration, I think it was last year, around, around this time, maybe November of last year, I saw some workers there and I said, is this place opening up? They're like, yeah, that's gonna be opening in the next couple of months. And I kept my eye on it and I never saw it open, and then I started calling, but I couldn't find the phone number could nowhere find the phone number of this church and so I thought well I guess you know it didn't it never got finished and then we're just walking past and I see the door open and a little nun poke her head out I couldn't believe it and I love how you just like ran after and be like hello can we yeah. get into this I just knocked on the door I was like is there a bell no knock 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 she opened the door and we got in talk about the secret room tour surprising even to us surprising even to you yes yes and I think can I get over to this car I don't think I'd been in the actual church I'd been in the crypt, but I'm pretty sure I'd never been in that church. So even for me, a new, a new place, which is so exciting. Yeah. All right. So can I ask you, uh, what did you think of that crypt? What do you think about the use of human bones as decoration? Are they decoration? <laughs> what do you think they are? I think they're, that's what Tiffany and I were talking about. It's like they're memento mori. Uh-huh. And I think there's a certain type of nun that... It's very, I don't want to say into, because it's not really like the right to talk about it. very into that. Yeah. And, and I am too. So, I mean, yes, I mean, I, of course, there's a certain, if you remove yourself a bit, it's mildly disrespectful. But they would be at the bottom of the Tiber otherwise, right? That's true. Yeah. And you, the other Katie on this trip. Yes, the two Katies. <laughs> the two Katies. The I, E, and Y. Yeah, I, E, and Y. you got to have one of each. It's very important. It's super important. <laughs> Can I ask you another question? Since you said that you're sort of in, you're interested in the, the memento mori, 
and Tiffany always says that I'm very obsessed with death, which I'm tell her is not true, but you know, that's what she always likes to say. But I mean, do you find that you have a fascination with death that Tiffany would find as extreme as mine? Um, I'm not sure how extreme is yours. <laughs> I mean, she thinks it's very extreme. I think it's just sort of normal contemplation, but she thinks uh, I think about it more than the average bear. Yeah, I mean, I think I probably, I was, I was telling Tiffany before, after we left that church, on my vanity, I have a rose quartz skull. Mm. So I probably do think about it at least once a day. I don't <laughs> know if it's, if it's uh, an obsession, because I find myself obsessing over other things. But I do think about it. Is there anything else that you obsess over that we should know about? Probably Italy, right? <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> Italy, Raphael. Those are my those are my Italian obsessions. Now, we didn't really take you to see very much Raphael this time. Do you, are you uh, disappointed, or do you feel like you've covered it a lot in Rome before? I've covered it a lot in Rome before. I've also covered it elsewhere in Italy, and it's just been really great that you know I've had few subject matter experts <laughs> discussing yeah. stuff with me. What is it about him in particular? I was talking to Lindsay about it because she asked. I think it's super interesting, much in the way that like we have this issue with like modern artists. He he died before he reached his full potential. Yeah. I think that's so interesting because you you know you get Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci, they got to live an old life and live mm -hmm. different lives, and he kind of only got to live the one. So I thought sure. that was pretty interesting about him. I love that how you put that. That yeah, because we've talked about that. Is that sometimes life feels like it's something that happens in chapters? Like there are stages, and he dies at 37. Two chapters, pretty much, right? And I think the rest of them got several. Oh, wow, that's cool. I really love that perspective. Wow. Rachel, can I ask you something? So as we go along these tours, I admire you greatly because you're actually you're not taking photos as much as you're taking sketches. So in my mind, you're an artist. What kind of an artist would you say that you are? I actually appreciate um, modern art much more than uh, the art that we've been seeing this week, just because to me it's completely inaccessible mm -hmm. uh, and undoable. And uh, so I, I actually like very modern art shapes, shapes I can do very well. <laughs> so unaccessible in the sense that you don't feel like you could recreate it. I cannot recreate it, and in that way I feel like there's sort of like a gap between how much I can really appreciate it and, you know, because you know if you can really do something, then you, you can appreciate it being done well. So I feel like there's a bit of a, a gap of knowledge there. Hmm. Yeah, but it is beautiful to look at, obviously. Well, I have not been uh, flipping through your book, but I have, I have seen as I've walked past you that you are able to capture the framework of architecture, what we're seeing in a very short period of time. How, how do you do that? <laughs> um, I am a public defender by trade and I have to do things very, very quickly all the time. Um, and I have to sort of capture the essence of things in a snapshot because I don't have 30 hour days. Uh -huh. Nobody does. So I think that that has translated to other realms of my life where I'm just very, very quickly, very, very quickly doing things. Oh, wow. How did you end up becoming a public defender? A job I've always found rather fascinating. Oh, yes. Uh, I got the job 10 years ago after I graduated from law school um, and I just fell in love with it. I interned when I was in law school at a public defender's office that was local to that school. And I just loved it. And the clientele themselves? Oh, well, I mean, every once in a while, 
you have uh, innocent clients, which you really thank the guilty ones for because that's how you cut your teeth, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the innocent ones sort of carry you through. But most people um, are either charged with something they did not do or charged with more than they did. Mm-hmm. So they're very, very easy to empathize with. Oh, and yeah. you've been hearing all these uh, people being accused of crimes and such. Yes. <laughs> you know, there's all these stories about people doing unscrupulous wow. things, whether or not we know it was actually true. Right. Particularly Caravaggio, whose entire history is based on arrest records. Yeah. Do you, do you, I don't know, do you have a different perspective on that since you come from the public defender world? You know, I think people are complicated. I've always thought, and my job has sort of solidified this worldview, that there is no such thing as good people and bad people. You're really only as good or bad as the last thing you did. Uh, you know, so I think people are complicated, and those are the most interesting people, honestly. I love that. Yeah. That's really great. All right, I will st- <laughs> stop it and be you for a moment. Very um, simple brown door down here under this larger arch. So there was probably a bigger doorway there at one time. Katie, this, and everybody, um, this was, because I know Katie likes the Borges like I do, this was the door of the Osteria, or the tavern, that belonged to Vanozza Catenei, who was the first and most important mistress of Alexander VI, who was the mother of Cesare Borgia, Juan Borgia, and Lucrezia Borgia. This, I mean, this is very specific. I mean, like, this is not the kind of thing I would point out to the average tourist. They'd be like, who? But, you know, for those, for those people who are fascinated by the intrigues of these, uh, these families, I thought that was a great bit of lore, that that was the door of the tavern that she owned. Now I'm with Jesse. You work for REI back in Seattle. You're a Seattleite like me, which I appreciate you coming along, by the way. So yeah. I'm not just surrounded by, um, you know, Rome experts and stuff, but people from home, Obviously, what you do in day-to-day life is very different from like what you're seeing in Rome, but is there anything that you've seen or observed that you kind of somehow feel like actually melds with, you know, what your experience is? Um, so, I work with uh, a lot of computer systems, a lot of software engineering mainly, and there's always the, the flow of data. And just data comes and it changes and it comes and it changes and it comes and it changes so that kind of the, just the flow kind of makes me think of stuff like the the water that flows through Rome the aqueducts yeah. and stuff like that. that that might be a bit of a stretch but the other thing is with the architecture of software engineering you're often taking something legacy and adapting it and retrofitting it and then building on top of it and eventually you scrap it and you do the rewrite um, so there's something about building on what's already there, and I see that all over here. I love that. Like, yeah, because so many Roman buildings are built from the scraps of old Roman buildings. I, especially, I think, those of us coming from Seattle. You know, Seattle has a tendency to, like, rip stuff down and begin again. Or, or they might, like, leave the foundation of something just as a tax loophole or something. You know, leave the foundation of the building, but build everything else from the ground up. Yeah, they, well, Seattle has the ability to tear down and, like, just redevelop. Um, it's not as easy here. <laughs> I think of the availability of materials, too, because it sounded like a lot of the stuff was torn down and, like, reused in other places. Seattle's also just a really young city yet. Like, it's going to be hard to see, like, 
what stays and what goes because we're not going to be here. That's so true. I mean, you've seen a lot of stuff, like not only about architecture here, but about artists. And some people consider working in software engineering, being a coder, is, is, is a kind of artistry in itself. And is there any practical comparison in your mind to like what a painter does to what a um, computer engineer is doing? It's a different type of organization. When they talk about clean code, you are organizing your code to be maintained long term and to be ma able to make it easy to change. I mean, artists are trying to create something that's going to last forever. Mm -hmm. When you write good code, you want to make it so that it will last forever in a different way so that it can be changed and modified and keep evolving. So like other people can play along, basically. Other yeah. artists can come along and add to it. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I really love that. That's a great description. <laughs> Since we're waiting, do you want to tell me some stuff? So this is Michael. Hello, how are you? <laughs> Michael, Michael, this is our last day. Um, how are you feeling about that? I'm feeling horrible about it. I, <laughs> I was thinking about it this morning, I, and I tried to imagine how I would feel if I had missed this experience. I, I mean, I just can't imagine not knowing the things I now know. You know, oh, I, it's been a nice. wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah, that's good. And you were one of the brave people that, uh, one of a couple brave people who came by yourself. I mean, do you feel like? <laughs> I mean, I I don't mind traveling alone, but you know, some people would find that a risk to come on your own. Do you? I mm. mean, have you always been a person who likes to travel by yourself? Uh, not so much, uh, but I just don't seem to have anybody to travel with right now. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, I mean, I think uh, the only thing I ever regard as a problem is um, always eating alone. But this was all of this, this week, where it's all been pretty much pr prescribed, what we would do. It's been just wonderful. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Have you had enough free time, too, would you say? Oh, yes. I think so. Sure, yeah, sure. So do you think there's anything in particular that, I mean, we've given you so much information on yeah. this. I don't know how much you'll retain, like what kind of a crack shot brain you have, but... Is there anything in particular that you've learned that you think you're really going to take with you so far? Yeah, one thing I'm gonna, I will take with me is the desire to read more about certain people's lives. Oh, like who? Francis of Assisi I want to read about, know much more about his life. Maybe the Borgias now. I, have <laughs> never, I haven't watched all the videos like everybody else seems to have. Yes. But it's mostly learning about some things and then wanting to explore them further, which I think is kind of fun. Well, that's always my goal. Is that it's something that tickles the brain. You want to take it forward. And it's mostly about people, you yeah. know, because that's what this is pretty much about. Yeah. Anyway, it's that kind of thing. It's just been a wonderful, a, a wonderful to just be, find out a bunch about somebody. Hi there. Hi. <laughs> How's it going? I actually don't have my headphones on. I was just thinking that we should have established at the very beginning of this uh, episode that it's going to feel kind of choppy because I'm turning the thing on and off the whole time. Right. Well, you can add that back in. I'm adding it now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't gotten a chance to talk to everybody yet, but um, you're coming toward, um, I, I don't know where we are on the tour, but coming toward the end. I mean, that was the idea, but uh, our detour into Santa Maria della Orazione Morte has kind of put us uh, behind schedule. So we might have to cut the last few places, which I don't want to do because, I mean, I could cut the very last, which is Piazza di Pietra, but yeah. I don't want to cut Sant'Ignazio because it's so awesome. All right, so maybe we cut that last one. This is what also is another thing about tour guiding is like sometimes you got to cut on the fly. Yeah, you got to change things up as well, we these go. These kids are looking at you being Hi recorded. Hello everyone. Hi. Hi. 
Do you want to talk about these bells? Is it noon? A thousand bells at noon, as they say. Question. All right, I'm going to ask Bert a question as we walk. Uh, well, obviously, this is the last day of the official tour of Rome with us. How are you feeling about this being coming to a conclusion? Yeah, when things come to a conclusion, that's always sad. But um, there's so much more here that I wanted to see. Actually, I already did tell the hotel I wanted to extend my stay for one or two days. So I'll definitely have to come back here sometime because everywhere we look I just can't believe that there's so many just one impressive building piece of art just everywhere I look there's so many impressive things yeah I just don't you can't do it in a week no you can't do it in a lifetime as Tiffany has said right so you're staying for a couple extra days to try to see a few more sites yeah I wanted you to do at least two more days but it looks like last night I was looking at the airline reservations and it looks like I'm only going to be able to do one day unless I want to, you know, stay several more weeks, which I do, but uh, <laughs> I don't think I can do that right now. Yeah. So I might just, I might be able to squeeze in one more day. Is this the first time you've ever been to Europe? Yes, first time to Europe. Oh. Rome is, it's so much more impressive in person than I thought. I've seen a lot of, I've seen pictures of a lot of the architecture here, but it cannot be conveyed how impressive they are seen, seen in person. Vince, can I ask you a question? Go ahead, Katie. Well, we've learned a lot about Bernini and Borromini this week, which are two major architects in Rome. I noticed that you always kind of laugh when, <laughs> and you actually picked up on the style of Borromini, I would say, uh, first of everybody. What does this all mean to you now, as a person who maybe had heard nothing of it before? Yeah, I mean, coming in with a clean slate, you sort of first take in the story of how the city was built, and to see the number of buildings, sculptures, etc., that have one of these two men's mark on them <laughs> gets your attention. It's like, wow, for a city that has had so many histories all within one, this was an era of great contribution by those two. Mm -hmm. I also, you know, cheekily, you know, I enjoy the relationship between the two of them is its own story and that both went on to be great maybe for different things but both for contributions that's interesting to me yeah, like that there could be a pretty serious rivalry be between these two men that basically work side by side on everything yeah and then yet what they left behind is so lovely you know it is and it's you know there's a lesson in that you know through competition greatness can emerge not that they were competing with just each other. They were competing with themselves because they wanted to be great. But we all benefit from that kind of competition and innovation. Uh -huh. So anything you're going to take from that uh, back into your day-to-day -day life? Well, one, think about the contributions of the people that have made the buildings and the art that you get to experience every day. But then, two, who are you competing with? You know, mm -hmm. Are you competing with your, yourself on your best day, competing with someone at work, and... Does that help you reframe what competition can do? You know, it doesn't have to be zero-sum game. You know, maybe it's just trying to be the best and uh, have an impact. Hmm. I like that. I like that. So, John, obviously last day of the big uh, Bittersweet Life walking tour. How do you feel about this uh, experience coming to an end? I think it's been, definitely been a fun experience. And uh, I think it was, in terms of coming to an end, it's a... Uh, 
is a great launching point for future things, potentially future visits. When things come to an end, you always find like the things that you really want to do right at the end of a trip. And uh, <laughs> so, so you get the temptation to stay longer right away. But over the years, I've learned that, oh, just now I know what I want to do the next time, more of. Uh, and then, like I said in the previous chat that we had, I like discovering how the people actually live, where they hang out. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I think the, the end of this is actually more like the beginning of the next one. Oh, I love that. The idea of uh, it is a launching point. And remind me, uh, have you had you been to Rome prior? No, I had not. I've been to other places in Italy, but never never to Rome. Rome is a place that you hear a lot about. Is it anything like you expected? Yeah, actually, uh, yeah, I think it is what I expected, where the, the old is intermixed with the new. And the thing I guess I didn't expect is how integrated it was, or how a lot of the new is built on the old. Mm -hmm. It's not all just standalone monuments. It's, you know, using the old buildings as part of the new businesses and a new attractions okay so so if you're saying like this is the starting point is there a particular place that you think you want to start when you get back to Rome next time yeah, yeah I want to do more of the, the smaller neighborhoods and again you know, seeing like I've seen a lot of interesting places that look to eat and drink and definitely want to explore more of the, the food culture and then I also want to go in more on the costume tour that we did was, a, was was the guided tour. It wasn't the, the standard, you know, you get your ticket and solo adventure. So I want to go back and do a solo because then I can, I saw some specifically some parts of the Coliseum and, and the whole Palatine Hill that I want to go back and look on more yeah. that we didn't really have. It wasn't the focus of the guided tour, but the guided tour was great because it kind of showed you everything. Mm -hmm. And then you can, like I said, go back later and just focus on the ones you want to see. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Okay, so obviously you're a part of the original group, the first group that ever came on a tour with us to Rome. So if you had to, um, I don't know, leave an impression or, what would you say to people who are considering it for when we do it next year? Oh, definitely go. Yeah. If you have the opportunity, jump at it and go and you know, do whatever you can to get here. And uh, like I said, even if you've been here before, I have not, but several people on the tour have. And they're having a blast and they're learning more. And just the, the whole culture that, that you and Tiffany are putting together, is that's actually my favorite part, to be honest. Uh, I'm more of the people person. And, and, uh, and uh, so that just absolutely do it if you can. I'm starting to edit myself here. Uh, this is Michael. Hold on one second. We're about to go into a beautiful church, one of my favorites. Please. I, I was about to say that one of the things that I've enjoyed about this, but I really was surprised by, is um, the nature of Rome is, uh, the history of the nature of Rome, or Rome itself, is uh, so much wrapped up in religion. Mm -hmm. I did not properly understand that. And so that, that's something I've had a chance to learn, and I can see what the influence has been and all of that sort of thing. So that's been a fascinating part of it, too. Okay, so that was a very disjointed-sounding episode, perhaps, but um, here we are, Tiffany and I, at the end of the tour. I hope it was an enjoyable episode to listen to. And uh, Tiffany, I guess probably based on the fact that we're going out to dinner with all of these lovely people, that we're not going to probably tape again before I leave town. I don't think so. I said you yesterday, now, unless you're going to come out to my house because I don't want to do this commute again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and having made the commute to your house, I don't even want to do it this time. I <laughs> no, no. Uh, so five tours, five different days, an astounding amount of facts. The names alone, uh, how you remember the names of everybody alone is mind-blowing to me. Uh, and I tend to think that I'm pretty good at memorization. How do you feel at the end of everything? I feel very satisfied. I feel like I did a good job, um, not just because I got some great feedback from people, but also because I can tell, I felt, I feel it. 
I'm super tired. <laughs> I'm su my brain is tired. Tomorrow your brain will just be on the pillow beside you, like having dripped out of your ear. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Um, but yeah, I feel good. I feel like I have learned a lot because I had been to pretty much everywhere we went except for the church of Santa Maria dell'Orazione Morte or della Morte. I don't know which is the I can't. My mind. Sorry. It's Whatever. Like, nobody the death cares. Church, the death church. I, hadn't, I don't think I'd been inside there, but everywhere else I had been and everywhere else I had at least some amount of information on. But, you know, I don't do tours of a lot of the places that we went to. So there was a lot of studying involved and a lot of new information involved. And it feels really good to feel like I have also acquired a lot of new knowledge. And um, so I hope I can keep it because, you know, if you're not constantly using it, it does slip. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I was kind of throughout this episode asking some people at least what they thought that they might retain or carry forward mm -hmm. from the week. But is there, I mean, because you gave them a lot of information, a lot of different ideas, a lot of stories behind it, a lot of different people, a lot of knowledge of medieval architecture versus Baroque architecture, all the different things. You're even yawning as I mention everything that you guys are so exhausting. For you, not for them. It was enlivening, I think, for me and for them. But I... Is there anything in particular that you hope that they remember as they go home? It's so funny. Um, my, when my nephew was here a year and a half ago, 15 years old at the time, and, you know, interested, but, you know, he's still 15 years old. And I just remember so often pointing out to him the Romanesque bell towers. I feel like I kept saying, oh, look, there's a Romanesque bell towers from this period and it has this design and da-da-da. After he went home, he wrote me a thank you letter because he's a very, very, very well-behaved young man, well-raised young man. And he said, he wrote in the card, I will never forget the Romanesque bell tower. <laughs> <laughs> what is the Romanesque bell tower of this tour? Um, I don't know. I'm like, what is the, probably Borromini, I would have to say. I mean, as, as, despite the fact that I did a whole tour on Caravaggio, I think Borromini was kind of the guy that kept popping back up and he just his, he just kept coming back and we went to a lot of places of Borromini's sites that are not typical that you don't usually go to on a regular tour uh, because they're out of the way or they're you know usually closed or whatever and so I, I talked a lot about Borromini I didn't go in as in-depth as I did with Caravaggio but I think maybe maybe him because I think he's a name that like unless you're really into you know into art history and architecture you don't maybe know who Bernini who Borromini is and so that could have been a new name for a lot of people I mean his work is so astounding and just breathtaking that you know I, I would guess that's something that a lot of people will remember I think that's true and a lot of joking around about <laughs> Borromini also and I think that also makes it kind of fun it's not just like facts but I mean this group has made uh, I mean we can now all make Borromini jokes right well and Bo Bernini jokes as well because I was taking as the Brits say I was taking the piss out of Bernini constantly N not that I don't love Bernini but the rivalry between the two is so famous and I'm you know I'm definitely team Borromini and so I was constantly dissing Bernini although I love Bernini so I kept having to apologize for it <laughs> But it did make it fun. It did make it fun. And this whole this whole group has had an, a, a, a wonderful ability to um, not only befriend one another, but joke around with each other. And mm -hmm. that's been really fun to watch. Yeah, it has. Definitely. And it's always, you know, you've always entered a new world when you start joking about architects you didn't even know existed <laughs> prior to your arrival in Rome. Yeah. All right, well, we should leave it there. I'm going to let you go home before our big dinner tonight, our big celebratory and goodbye dinner. And uh, I think this was so much fun. I, I, I think I'm now further committed to doing it next year. Yep, me too. Uh, if you're up for it. I am up for it.
I need to get some rest first, but then I'll be up for it again. Okay. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Then before we go, Katie and Tiffany here. Now, Katie back in Seattle. Tiffany still in Rome, but no longer doing a tour, <laughs> leading a tour of people. That was our final morning that you just listened in on, on our Roman adventure that happened in 2023. And... We are excited to announce that we have decided that we are going to do this again, and we're going to do it next October 2024, specifically Sunday, October 6th to Saturday, October 12th. And Tiffany, maybe you want to say a word or two about why we picked that particular time? Well, we chose pretty much the exact same time of year this past year, um, the second week, more or less, in October. And it turned out, Katie, I think you'll agree, to be one of the most beautiful October weeks that I have ever experienced. And I've spent lots of Octobers in Rome, and October can be beautiful, but this one was... It was basically summer. <laughs> yeah, it was stunning. It, was, it felt like June. It really did. It felt like a beautiful, not overwhelmingly hot, but just perfectly warm, short sleeves, wearing shorts, wearing sandals, maybe in the evening a light sweater, but pretty much gorgeous sunny days all day long. So it's a, such a beautiful time. Yeah, it's a perfect time. So we're going to do it October 6th to the 12th. And we have 10 rooms, a limit of 10 rooms up to two people per room, and they're going fast. So we're announcing it wide on the show now. So I'll say that there are a limit of 10 rooms, but there aren't 10 rooms left at this point. So if this is something you're really interested in doing, I would encourage you to send us an email, bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com, and we can send you all the details and tell you how to reserve your spot. But there are a few things I want to kind of emphasize about what made this such a remarkable experience. One, I think, I mean, we are showing you the Rome that a lot of tourists don't get to see. We'll show you the major sites, but we're also going to show you the nooks and crannies along the way. And it was so fascinating to me with this first group of people because so many of them had never been to Rome before. And I feel like, and what I was impressed by after doing five mornings of walking tours with you, Tiffany, was how much understanding of the entire picture of Rome we had by the end of the week, not just Rome's hidden spots, but like, how did Rome come to be? And what were the major moments that shifted what it was like as a city? And how do those moments affect the world that we are still living in today? Like, how did how did the Romans of, say, the 15th century create the 21st century that we now live in? And that kind of huge picture of how this amazing city affected everything was uh, something, at least for me, that was a lasting impression. As a person who lived there for years, I felt like I came out with a bigger understanding of everything that was Rome. And of course, I say that thinking like, but there's so much more to Rome that we couldn't, than <laughs> anything we could have covered, because it's just the history is layers upon layers upon layers upon layers. But still, I felt like, wow, if if you'd never been to Rome before, and you've always wanted to get there, it was this trip, I was like, I cannot believe how big of an understanding and how much you've experienced of Rome by the time it's over. Well, that makes me very happy to hear. As I always say, in Rome, a lifetime isn't enough. It's a famous quote, Roma non basta una vita. You can't see it even in a lifetime, but you can definitely, 
if you're interested, if, if it's something that fascinates you, you can definitely dig much deeper on our trip than you can in a typical trip to Rome in which you're sort of just just scratching the surface, basically. Yeah. And I mean, I guess another thing that I wanted to emphasize, because I know how daunting it can also be to travel to a big city, and particularly a city where there's so much that you want to see when you get there, even if you've been there before, it's so easy in Rome to feel like you're not going to be able to see everything. And the truth is you're not. But that said, I feel like another thing I really want to emphasize to people who are considering coming on this trip is that we are going to help you see things, even when we're not the ones showing them to you. And we're going to be here to help you not get lost figure out how to get a cab, figure out where to go to eat. Like you're never going to be at loose ends. You know what? One of my least favorite things about travel is being in a new city, really being hungry and having no idea where to eat, you know, because you feel like Mm -hmm. I'm going to spend money. I only get to eat three times a day. I want the meal to be amazing. And yet half the time you wander into somewhere and you're like, this looks good. And then it's not good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's like an experience, at least on this trip that we painstakingly taken steps to make sure that you can avoid uh, ever walking into a place that's not any good. Because we're going to give you a very special, extremely well-researched guidebook to help you in all of your downtime so that you can get around and know where the good places to go are even when you're not in our company. Yeah, and not only that, but we share all of our insider tips about who do you tip, how much do you tip, how do you make sure you're not going to get scammed, how do you know, what do you, what's the protocol with uh, the taxis or whatever it is, we are here not just in the preparatory stuff that we provide to our guests, such as the booklet you mentioned that we wrote, or the sort of know before you go emails and things like that. But you know, we're only a, a text message away, and so I felt like it was it was really great how how we were able to help people with like even just basically like oh my gosh i don't have my phone charger what am i going to do today i need to take pictures you know we're there we're there for those things yeah so it makes a big difference when you have a local with you or two locals katie's a let's say an honorary local um <laughs> with you taking care of you helping you out not that people need to be taken care of but you know it's nice to have someone sort of looking out for you someone that you can call or ask if they're next to you and you have some support. Yeah, somebody who's, who's going to help you get from the airport to the hotel, so to speak, so that when you're exhausted after all that travel, you don't have to worry about where am I and what am I doing now? You, you just get there. There's just someone who has a sign with your name on it and you <laughs> yeah. get in the car. <laughs> ah, the luxury of that. I do want to point out one other thing too, because there are major sites that people want to see when they come to Rome. And we're going to show you the secret stuff, the stuff that you really, really are going to want to see in Rome, but you don't know about yet. But there are things like Rome is a bucket list for a lot of people. And on that bucket list is like, I want to go to the Vatican Museum. And if you've done any research, for instance, you know that the lines waiting to get into the Vatican, for instance, are epically long, or that there are tour companies that work around that line that may or not may not be reputable to get you in and and how do you even navigate such a thing not to mention that the tickets themselves can be kind of hard to get and hard to arrange kind of kind of <laughs> i know i'm done i'm done playing it yeah impossible <laughs> impossible <laughs> yeah and i remember the behind the scenes pain you went through to secure vatican tickets for our guests but i mean that's another thing too is that we are going to be working before you even get here to get you the tickets to the Vatican, for example, which are so hard, so very hard now 
to get your hands on if you're a tourist who does not know your way around Rome. We'll figure that out and we'll book a guide for you that is just incredible. In fact, the guide we sent in with our guest to the Vatican this year got such rave reviews, we were starting to feel a little insecure. <laughs> we were like, wait a minute. I know she's great and funny and charming and, uh, you know, but come on, <laughs> let's not go on and on. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing, of course. Anyway, let's not go on and on. But the doors are open. The rooms are open for you to uh, set your sights on and claim. Just send us an email, bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. And we can send you all the information for 2024. And if you forget that email address, I believe it's in the show notes also. Write to us, say, hey, I might want to go with you. Join us. Yeah, we don't actually have 10 rooms I'm left, but we do have one with your name on it. If you reach out to us, bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. And if I'm not mistaken, Katie, we're running a discount until the end of the year. Oh, yeah, that's right. We are. <laughs> good memory. Yeah, good. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> you can explain it. Yes. Well, we are offering $500 off of the total price of the room and obviously the, uh, the trip itself until the first of the year. So if you get in before New Year's Eve, you're going to save 500 bucks. Yeah. So all the more reason. Good gift for yourself and a good gift to give your best friend as well if you decide to bring them along with you. So. Yes. Well, we, we had a guest who came with us this past year who brought her best friend. Yeah. I think, you know, they had an amazing time. They had a bonding time too. It was like, the first half of the day, we were, you know, they were with us and they were seeing sights. And the second half of the day, they got to have this, you know, real bonding friendship time, which since they don't live in the same city, they, you know, it was really, really rare for them. So yeah, if you have a best friend, what a great gift. Don't be afraid to come on your own too. It could be a gift for yourself as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was so fun to see the people who, you know, hadn't known each other before our trip becoming friends and oh should we go to the bar after should we go should we go have dinner together tonight it was so much fun to see that it was all right bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com if you want to consider october 2024 and like she said 500 dollars off if you book 2024 before the end of 2023 500 right. off <laughs> all exactly. right until next time this is the bittersweet life i'm katie sewell i'm tiffany parks join us again bye